Well, good morning, everybody. So, as we do each week, we're going to start with our uh, scripture memory passage review. Today's verse is Psalm 12, 6. Psalm 12, 6. So, if you know it, please stand. And we will go around the room. Oh, look at Albert throwing down. Do you see that? He's kind of a slow swagger stand. Just he's like, yeah, I'm here. All right, that's cool. I'm going to put all this pressure on him, and then he's going to fumble the verse, so we'll see. <clears throat> there you go. I love you, man. All right. I thought, oh, I thought Sean McGarvey was standing. He's actually just getting seated, so that's good to know. All right, so we've got one, two, three, four, five. All right, Stephen. Okay. Psalm 12, 6. The words, the, the words of the Lord are pure words. Yes, they are. Tried in a furnace. Like. Tried in. No, like. Oh, wait. The words of the Lord are pure words. Amy? The words of the Lord are pure words, like silver tried in the furnace of earth, purified seven times. Yes, very good. Thank you. You have the and it's okay. It's the nearly inspired version. That'll work. (laughs) (laughs) I can do that with almost all the translations now, so it's fun. (laughs) And the words of the Lord are flawless, like silver purified in a crucible, like gold refined seven times. Very good. Excellent. I like that. Stephen, stand up, let's do it again. (laughs) The words of the Lord are pure words, like silver tried in the furnace of earth, tried seven times. There you go. Very good. Thank you, sir. Oh, you guys got to go up and get something, too. So, Yes. The words of the Lord are pure words. Yes. Like silver tried in the furnace of earth, purified seven times. That is correct. Very good. All right, Albert, no pressure. <clears throat> Everybody's watching. I'm going to interrupt you like nine times. So you got to know this cold, okay? No problem. All right. The words of the Lord are pure words, like silver refined in a furnace on the ground, purified seven times. Very good. With the ESV? Yes. Yes. All right. Very good. Um, so that's one of the cool things that I get to do is I get to look them up in a couple different versions. So I know you're close in a couple different versions. So, um, so this morning we continue. This is actually week six of systematic theology. Didn't feel like we've been doing this six weeks yet, but I think we have. So that's good. Um, And today we're going to answer the question, can only Bible scholars understand the Bible rightly? Um, And and it's an interesting question, and it's not one that I'd ever remembered uh, reading before, uh, before I I read uh, Greedham's Systematic Theology, and spent a lot of time this week thinking about the implications from this question, which way it goes and uh, what this implies for us in a real, practical, everyday scenario. Um, so, a couple things. The introduction here. Some parts of the Bible are easier to understand than others. Would you agree with that? Okay. I tried to start off with the premise that, duh, you know, we're going to start pretty basic and then build some blocks. Um, I've mentioned the verse 2 Peter three fifteen and 16 several times. Uh, this is Peter writing here, obviously. He says, and consider that the long-suffering of our Lord is salvation As also our beloved brother Paul, according to the wisdom given to him, has written to you, as also in all his epistles, speaking in them of these things, and here's the phrase, in which some things are hard to understand, which untaught and unstable people twist to their own destruction as they do also the rest of the scriptures. So Peter's talking about Paul's writings, and he says, some of what Paul writes is hard to understand. And everybody said, yes, I agree. 
right? Because um, you get buried up in a couple chapters of Romans, and you go, well, man, he's smart, okay? Right? This gets very difficult. Now, here's what Peter didn't say. Peter didn't say Paul was impossible to understand. He said he was hard to understand. There's a big difference. There's a very big difference. And nowhere in the Bible does the Bible say that the Bible is impossible to understand, which should give us a bit of hope. Um, and some people think that the Bible can only be understood by those that are professionals, people that have college degrees in Bible or seminarians or preachers or professors or this type of a thing. And, and my concern with this approach is that if you take this approach, that the Bible can only be understood by someone who is a professional, then what we do with the Scripture... Can I borrow your copy of the Scripture, Colin? Then what we do with the Scripture, if I say... I, this can only be understood by somebody who's a professional. Darla's a professional. So I'm going to give it to you, and I'm going to back up, and I'm going to wait for you to tell me what God says. You see what happens there? I take my engagement with the God of the universe, and I hand it to somebody else. And this, to me, is the huge implication of going into Bible study and saying, I can't understand that. I'll let somebody else do this for me. <laughs> this is a problem. This is a problem. People died throughout church history so that you could have the copy of Scripture that is sitting in front of you in your language. People died for this. And not just one or two. Hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people. At the time in church history where this was uh, very, very controversial, the, the, the uh, preferred method of execution was burning at the stake. So they would tie your hands behind you or sometimes over your head and they'd light a fire underneath your feet, and they would wait for you to recant as the fires purified you. And many of these folks died because they were trying to give the Scripture into a language of the common people. It's a big deal that we have the Scriptures. So um, I don't want us to ever get to the point where we view church as a professionals-only club. Where, where it's only for those up there to explain to us what the Bible says. This is not the approach given in Scripture. Um, Grudem goes on to define uh, the clarity of Scripture. Here's your next blank. It says, The clarity of Scripture means that the Bible is written in such a way that its teachings are able to be understood by all... We're going to use that word several times today. Uh, by all who will read it seeking God's help and being willing to follow it. So let's... Let's talk about what the Bible says about its own clarity. So Deuteronomy 6, 6, and 7. So if you've got your Bibles open up there. Deuteronomy 6, 6, and 7. <clears throat> One of the beautiful things about um, Deuteronomy is that it's just packed full of all of these sermons that God gave Moses to preach. It was, you go tell the people of Israel this, and then he go, he preach a sermon for a couple of chapters. And they're great. And Deuteronomy 6, 6, and 7 is kind of smack dab in the middle of some of this. He says, in these words which I command you, and he's talking to the entire nation of Israel, today shall be in your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children and shall talk of them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way and when you lie down and when you rise up. So if he's talking to all the children of Israel, specifically, which subset is he talking to here? Parents. Right? So if you have the wherewithal... To be a parent, this applies that we should be able to understand the Scriptures well enough 
that we can talk to our children about them. When they're rising up, when they're lying down, when they're walking by the way, when you sit in your house, pretty much covers most of the scenarios that we're around our children, right? We're either getting them up, we're putting them down, we're telling them to sit still, or we're dragging them somewhere, <laughs> right? That, that covers most of it. That, that's, I think that checks most of the boxes at our house. Um, so during all of these things, we're teaching our children the scriptures. That's a high bar, isn't it? It's kind of a high bar. But what Grudem says is that all, they're all here, all the people of Israel were expected to be able to understand the words of Scripture well enough to be able to teach them diligently to their children. All. Okay? So you say, Jim, how do we do that? That's a great question. Let's go to Psalm chapter 1, the very first Psalm. This was one of our memory verses a couple of weeks ago. Psalm 1, we're going to look at verse 2. It says, blessed is the man, what does blessed mean? What does blessed mean? Happy, happy, happy. You didn't laugh, that's okay. Happy is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the path of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful, but his, what's your translation say? Delight. Anybody have a different word? <clears throat> Nothing. His delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law he meditates. meditates. Anybody have a different word? What's meditation? Anybody know what meditation is? It's focused thinking. A lot of people think this is what meditation is. Yeah, I'm not that flexible. <laughs> That is not meditation. That is humming off key. Um, And it does not matter the elevation at which you do it. It is still humming off key for most people. Um, Meditation is focused thinking. Now, hopefully, each one of you participated in some meditation activity on the way to church this morning. Hopefully... Whoever was driving the vehicle that you were in was meditating on driving, focused thinking about driving as a safe way to drive. Uh, More likely, you were smacking something in the back seat, right? Uh, As you drag them somewhere, teach them the scriptures. Yes, that will come up in your heads the next time you're smacking somebody in the back seat because I did that. Uh, So meditation is focused thinking about scripture and how I can apply it to my life. So... What does Psalm 1 2 say? Focus thinking day and night. Because how in the world are we going to apply Deuteronomy 6, 6, and 7 if I'm not thinking about the scripture? I can't be talking about it if I'm not thinking about it, right? It's got to come up in my brain at some point now and then. This will help tremendously. So happiness is tied to time spent thinking on the scriptures. This is, you will not find this message on television, okay? This will not be in an infomercial, by now. No, that doesn't work this way. Um, so the next verse is Psalm 19.7. Let's flip over to Psalm 19.7. <clears throat> you say, Jim, well, that's nice. Happiness is tied to thinking about the Scripture, but um, what does this have to do with the Bible being clear, okay? The law of the Lord is perfect. Converting the soul. 
The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the what? The simple. Anybody have a different translation? The what? The plain people. I love that one. Anybody else? That's my echo line right there. Did you hear it? I can't go past that point. <laughs> Each week it's different. It's kind of fun where I find out where that line is. It's like an invisible force field. Yes. Anybody else have different for other than uh, simple or plain? This word's also translated fool in the Old Testament. It's also translated uh, open-minded, uh, as, as in open-minded to anything that could pop in somebody's head that this person would go do. You probably went to high school with some of these people. That you could say, hey, why don't you go do? And it did not matter what you finished that sentence with. Right? And off they went. Uh, it's also translated as silly. So what does the Bible say about these types of people? The Bible says, The law of the Lord is perfect, converting the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making what? Wise. So if you have a silly... Beth, you walked in at the wrong time. I apologize. If you have a silly, open-minded fool... I, I apologize. And I cannot think of anybody who, who less fits this description. So I, I sincerely apologize. Even that person can be made wise through the Scriptures, which implies something about the clarity of the Scriptures. It implies that even an open-minded, silly fool can understand and be changed. Okay? There is hope for that member of your family that is not like everybody else. There is hope. For that one child of yours that you're not sure that there will be enough beatings in the world to make them see the truth, there is hope. For that coworker that you are really not sure how they filled out the job application form, <laughs> never mind made it through the interview, there is hope because the scriptures are clear enough for even the fool to understand. Okay? So the clarity of scripture is a real big deal. Now, um, Jesus had this really common saying that he said over and over and over and over again. This next little uh, section on your handout, Jesus' response to questions. You get all these little, all these little uh, Matthew quotes here, Matthew 12, 2. But he said to them, have you not read what David did? Matthew 12, 5. Or have you not read in the law? Matthew twenty two thirty one. Have you not read what was spoken to you by God? In Matthew 21, 42. Have you never read in the scriptures? Jesus was very fond of answering questions with, the answer is in the Bible, did you not read that part? And if it sounds a little smart, Alec, it is. Because every once in a while, you have to be very blunt with a fool. Right? right? Now, he did so with love, which is great. He loved them through this entire process, but he was very blunt with people too. Have you not read? Grudem's got a... He, he doesn't make jokes in his book, but he, he has kind of... I think he's just saying things with a wry smile in the background a little bit. I'll, I'll read you this part. Uh, we would do well to remember that not once in the Gospels do we ever hear Jesus saying anything like this. I see how your problem arose. The Scriptures are not very clear on that subject. <laughs> yeah, I think he's laughing when he typed that. I'm pretty sure he is. Yeah, the, the Scriptures are clear enough... For what we need. Okay? Just a good fundamental Bible principle as we study. Now, 
Um, some people think, well, this was easier on the people who lived then because they understood the context and the culture of the day. I have an objection to that. My objection to that is most of the letters that were written to the first century church by the apostles that are included in our canon of Scripture, the apostles were predominantly what? Jews or Gentiles? Jews. Predominantly Jews, yeah. And um, those Jewish men with a good understanding of the Old Testament wrote the message of Jesus in the context of the Old Testament to many times predominantly Jew, Gentile congregations. And there never was an out in any of these letters that says, I know you're Gentiles and you're not going to understand this, but I'm going to use this example anyway. No. No. Many times, I think, those first century believers sitting in that church when this letter from Paul shows up and the Gentiles going, what in the world is he talking about? He didn't have any better idea what was going on than we do the first time we cracked that open because we needed somebody with us to help give us context. And lo and behold, imagine what? There were a couple of Jews in that church too that helped provide some context. And they studied the scripture in community, which helps. Okay? Now, so I'm, I'm going to do one more objection to this concept, and then we'll kind of get into the rest of the lesson. <clears throat> Most people think that in order to understand the scripture, to rightly interpret and understand the scripture, you have to be really, really what? Smart. Yep. Um, and I would say no. I would say no. Um, there's a couple times in the scripture, uh, and Luke does this beautifully. He does this beautifully. And he, he'll be, ta I didn't put these in my notes, but he'll be talking about some of the apostles. And, and he will use phrases that you can tell the Holy Spirit's doing all the Holy Spirit can do here to uh, restrict Luke from being overly blunt. At uh, one point, he calls some of the apostles uneducated and untrained men. <laughs> they were stupid. <laughs> you know what? That's okay. Because God never picked anybody based on their intelligence. And we would be good to remember that. He never picked anybody based on their intelligence. And what do we lift up on this pedestal so many times in our culture? Oh, so-and-so, they're so smart. They can do that. It just means they've got more ways to figure out how to do it wrong. You ever met a smart person that didn't know what they were doing? If my truck... <clears throat> probably don't even have to finish this sentence, do I? Yeah, I can just stop there, right? Just whatever, right? Um, if anything happens to my truck... And you see me on the side of the road with the hood up. Stop. Please, please engage, because I have no clue what I am doing. Intelligence doesn't have anything to do with this. <laughs> Look at it. She's, you can't even get your breath, can you? You got thrown under the bus. That, yes, I do. Yes, I do. Um, all right, so I am, I'm going to take just a 30-second rabbit trail. I did... <laughs> I did uh, break the latch, <laughs> but I can get it open now with a pair of pliers, so it's okay. It's okay. I can get the hood up, yes. <laughs> I know where the, that's no, the button. You, you pull, and then you hit the hood. It's like Fonzie with the jukebox, and then it kind of pops up, and then you can lift it. So 
took like 30 minutes of just wailing on the thing to figure this out, but I got the hood up, so it was good. Cards up, buddy, cards up. All right, so <clears throat> is my face red? It feels like it's red right now. Okay. Yeah. So back to the New Testament. Um, so why would these Jewish authors expect the Gentiles to be able to understand their words? If it's not based on intelligence, here's your next blank. You know what you need a good, healthy dose of in order to rightly understand the Scripture? The Holy Spirit. It's all about the Holy Spirit. It's not about my intelligence. It's not about what I know. It's about the Holy Spirit. Because the Holy Spirit's job is to what? There's a word I'm looking for. Reveal is good. It's close. There's a word I'm looking for. It starts with I. Illuminate. There it is. All right. Many of you have phones that are on, which is great. Justin just did something with his. I'd like you all to try to do that with yours. Uh, can you turn the light on? You got a little light in there somewhere? Some of you are like, it has a light? That's awesome. Can somebody show me how to do that? I won't have to curse in the dark anymore, right? I have one too. Yay. Now, granted, these, these little phones don't have... A lot of, mm, wow, when it's really close it does. Uh, they're not really strong, but when all of ours just clicked on there, the room got a little bit lighter, didn't it? Yeah. yeah. Now, can you shine them at me real quick? Did I get brighter? No. <laughs> a little bit, right? Yeah. Now, this, this shirt. <laughs> that was funny. Wow, we just, we've gone completely off the rails here, haven't we? I knew I was going to have fun this morning. I wasn't sure how, but I was going to have fun. Um, the Holy Spirit's job is to take some portion of Scripture and shine a light on it so that you can see it a little bit clearer and that you can understand it. Okay? It is not your job to turn the light on. So when we get frustrated that we don't understand some portion of Scripture, please remember that's not in our job description. Our job description is to be faithful, to seek out after that relationship with God, to be regularly meditating on His Word, and the Holy Spirit's job is to turn the light on when He sees fit. And this is very frustrating at times. This is very frustrating. Because sometimes we want all the lights on all the time. And that's just not how God operates. You can read through the Psalms. Stephen and I were talking a couple weeks ago. You can read through the Psalms, and there's several Psalms that talk about, God, why haven't you talked to me? Doesn't sound very spiritual. (laughs) God hadn't talked to him because the Holy Spirit decided not to turn that light on at that time. And that's okay because that's up to God. That's not our job. Intelligence is not part... Can you hit those lights on the way out? Thank you. Or not. There we go. All three? Excellent. Thank you very much. So, what is needed for a right understanding of Scripture? It's about the Holy Spirit. It's not about us. It's about the Holy Spirit. So, a couple moral and spiritual qualities needed for right understanding. I'm not going to go through and read all of these. 
Uh, let's go to James 1, 5, though. It's probably a verse several of you are uh, quite familiar with. James chapter 1, verse 5. And then if you would circle 1 Corinthians 1, 18 through 3, 4 on your handout, that's part of your homework this week. Go read that. It's a really good passage. <clears throat> but James 1, 5. Who's got it? Anybody got it? Or not? <laughs> he gives to all what? We're not supposed to be liberals. Haven't you watched Fox News lately? <clears throat> Ooh. I'm going to have to ease out the back door on that one, aren't I? Um, gives to all what? Anybody have a different word? Generously. Got generously. Anybody else? Anybody remember what the Greek word means? Open-handed. Open-handed. What's in my hand, you can have. Open-handed. What, a, what an awesome God that is. He says his hand is open. That'd be a good title for a book, The Open-Handed God, wouldn't it? Ooh, Ooh that's pretty good. We have to do a Sunday school lesson on that at some point. The Open-Handed God. He's waiting for you to ask so you can have what he's got. It's beautiful. It's just beautiful. This is the way our God wants to... Communicate with us very open-handedly. So you say, well, Jim, I don't understand that passage. Have you talked to God about it? He knows the Holy Spirit, just in case you're wondering. They're, they're tight like that. So what does a person need to be able to rightly understand the Scriptures? The Holy Spirit. This is not rocket science. This is the beauty of this lesson. The beauty of this lesson, we're talking about the clarity around the things that are complex in Scripture. And the reality is, it's simple. Like inception theology or something. I don't know. All right. So why do people misunderstand scripture? Grudem asks a great question. Um, <clears throat> so do you think it's because the scripture is written poorly? Yes. Be careful how we answer that question. Right. Um, some authors you don't insult. Right. Uh, the problem always lies not with scripture but with ourselves. <clears throat> problem always lies not with scripture but with ourselves. Right. Um. Many times, and I have been woefully, woefully guilty of this, uh, and probably am right now and need to find and confess that, but many times I want to hold on so tightly to my personal opinions of things in the Scripture. Um, And I read something really good this week. It said, be careful what you hold on tightly to. You only have two hands. You can't hold tightly to too many things. It just doesn't work. And I think, theologically speaking, that's pretty smart advice, too, um, which is one of the reasons that here at Stewart Heights we have the five fundamentals of faith. Those are the things that we hold very, very tightly. We're not letting go of those. Fifty years from now, when I'm teaching the little old man Sunday school class to Justin, and he's hobbling in with his spiked hair then, <clears throat> all five strands of it, <laughs> um, I better still be talking about the five fundamentals of the faith, Justin. So if any point in time between now and the next 50 years I get off of those, you have full reign to smack me in the head and get me back on track, okay? Um, Absolutely. So you say, why is all this important? Well, I kind of already answered that at the beginning, but if only Bible scholars can understand the Scripture, this impacts how we engage God, remember? I'm giving this to somebody else for them to interface with God. I'm I'm effectively outsourcing my Christianity is what I'm doing here. 
and, and this is just not a good, it's not a good model for interacting with God. So if I believe I can rightly understand the Bible, I can interface directly with God, I can use the teachers and the preachers in our churches effectively for the purpose they were meant to be used for. Um, and we can properly allow the Holy Spirit to work in us. So, so Grudem goes on to ask, so what do we do with the scholars then? What are they good for? Are they good for anything? Yeah, I think they're good for something. Sure. Um, number one, they can teach Scripture clearly. You ever heard somebody mumble and fumble and uh, bumble with a passage of Scripture, and you're just going, oh, my goodness. Um, it was maybe three or four years ago, maybe even five years ago, in this room, uh, Dave and I were sitting next to each other, and we were listening to a guest speaker. And Dave turned to me and said, are you ready to step in? Because I don't think he knows how to land this plane. <laughs> and the funny thing was, I was thinking the exact same thing. <laughs> Is that, you're just man, we're just fumbling all over. And I've had Sundays, I get a lot of these. Way, just, just cards up way more than 60 to 70% of the time, I walk out of here on Sunday morning, out of this room on Sunday mornings, and feel like, boy, I, that was just, I just, mm, that was bad. Didn't make this clear at all. Um, but there are some people that we know of, that we can listen to, that you just go, well, they made that sound pretty clear, didn't they? That was Brian is one of these for me. Um, it just takes this thing and just, here's the point. Well, that was helpful, <laughs> right? They just teach the Scripture clearly, and that's as good. This is right and healthy for us as a church. Uh, number two, they can explore new areas of understanding uh, the teachings of Scripture. Um, one of the beautiful things about being in a church, a collection of believers, is that your experiences are different than mine. So God can illuminate a portion of the Scripture for you due to your life experience that I haven't been through so I can understand vicariously through your experiences. Well, that's very helpful. And, and when I see things like, um, I don't need church, I can, be, I can have church by myself. Not really. <laughs> there's, there's several hundred things in the New Testament you can't do by yourself that we're commanded to do. It's, we have to be together to do certain things. Um, Number three, they can defend the teachings of the Bible against attacks by other scholars. It is, it is very helpful to have people that are experts in certain fields. Who are we looking for, Shelby? Oh, I'm sorry. She already made eye contact. Whoop, back up here. There we go. Um, it is very helpful to have experts in certain fields that understand the Scripture and understand their field of study that can marry the two so that when those of us that are not experts on everything ask questions, we've got somebody that can help us understand. Right? I, I like fight night at our house. Um, and I got more amens than anything else today. That was great. Uh, and I really like fight night when there's some type of a medical question about something. Because this is going to be shocking to you. Uh, medical issues come up when watching cage fighting periodically. <laughs> it just happens. Um, and, and Sean is a nurse, a, nurse, a, a very good nurse, uh, and, and can explain, oh, let's not worry about that. That's no big deal. And sometimes it's ooh, 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 ooh. When I see him do that, that's when I know it's bad. 
I can borrow from his expertise to get a fuller understanding of what is going on. Does this make sense? We all do this all day long. All right, so um, <clears throat> there's a couple of verses there, Titus 1.9, 2 Timothy 2.25. Uh, quite a few uh, of the questions for personal application. I cut these in half, basically. Grudem had twice this many. I, I had to have some room on the page for the handout, so for the blank. So this is just it's going to get my, my bad disbelief not to have at least some handouts, so some blanks on the handout. All right, so Scripture memory passage for this week is Deuteronomy 6, 6 and 7. And these words which I command you today shall be in your heart. You'll teach them diligently to your children. shall talk of them when you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, when you lie down, and when you rise up. And the hymn for today is Jehovah's Perfect Law. Uh, it's from the Psalter, which is a, a book, just a collection of psalms put to hymns, uh, put to music. Um, it says, Jehovah's Perfect Law restores the soul again. His testimony sure gives wisdom unto men. The precepts of the Lord are right and fill the heart with great delight. The Lord's commands are pure, they light and joy restore. Jehovah's fear is clean, enduring evermore. His statutes, let the world confess, are holy truth and righteousness. They are to be desired above the finest gold. Then honey from the comb, more sweetness far they hold. With warnings they your servant guard, in keeping them is great reward. His errors, who can know, cleanse me from hidden stain. Keep me from willful sins, nor let them o'er me reign. And then I upright shall appear, and be from great transgressions clear. Whene'er you search my life, may all my thoughts within, and all the words I speak your full approval win. O Lord, you are a rock to me, and my Redeemer you shall be. I like that one. Kind of old school language, but I like it. So, today, the clarity of the scriptures. You can understand the Bible rightly through the Holy Spirit. That's the big nugget. All right, so that's today. We've got two more weeks in this series, and then we'll do a wrap-up. And then it's Easter at Coolidge, yes. So uh, two things. Uh, We still have a ton of those bins that have eggs in them that need to be taken home and washed. Now, Darla has devised the uh, Skinner egg washing method, uh, and she can communicate that to any of you that would like, and it is actually pretty straightforward and simple now. We've... Um, it involves the swish and separate method and uh, your... Uh, swish person. and separate method. Yes, and your uh, home clothes dryer. Fantastic. It works. It's pretty slick. Pretty slick. So... <laughs> not if you follow the directions. <laughs> All right, so that's one announcement for EAC. The second announcement for EAC is that we're going to be doing the egg stuffing parties again this year, uh, which is kind of cool. And Bree is going to be coordinating that. I think the meals are helping to coordinate some of that for the meals here at the Hickson campus. So uh, we need tons and tons of crock pots with food and all that kind of stuff brought in that morning. So I'm going to let you see Bree with questions, and, and our class is going to pitch in and help and pull all that off. That's the 6th of April. Is that right? Yep. So two weeks from today. Two weeks from today. So the rest of the announcements are on your handout. Uh, we've got the McGarvey uh, uh, St. Patty's Day party this... Whoops, I'm crossing the line. There we go. All right. Uh, this, this Saturday, right? This Saturday. Fantastic. So directions are there. Uh, wear green, and that'll be fun. Yeah, it's kind of cool. So uh, take some moments. Uh, do prayer requests at your table. 
Uh, I think we do need to stack the chairs today, so if we could have some guys and gals hang out and do that for a minute, that'd be great. And uh, thanks for coming to Sunday School.